everyone and welcome to Two V's and a Pod with me, Izzy the Vegan. And me, Ben's Vegan Kitchen. In this podcast, we'll walk you through the landscape of veganism through the eyes of two pretty relatable day-to-day vegans. And over the series, we plan on discussing a wide range of topics that you may have pondered upon whilst being vegan or even whilst deciding to take the step. This week, we're discussing one of the biggest reasons more and more people are becoming vegan, sustainability. We'll be talking about how we're trying to be sustainable throughout our everyday lives as well as address some of the larger issues at hand currently when it comes to the topic. And as usual, we'll be joined by a very special guest who this week knows far more about this topic than we do. It's Lewis Robling, a former pro rugby player turned founder of Cocabana. We're going to speak to Lewis about all things sustainability and to learn a little bit more about what inspired him to start Cocabana. So today we are chatting around sustainability. We are not experts. However, I think it's an important topic to talk about. Obviously, there's three kind of key reasons around why people go vegan. Vegan for the animals, vegan for your health, and also finally vegan for the environment. So I thought it would be nice just to have a little chat around the environment. And we've got a fabulous guest who knows a lot more than us, right, Ben? Uh, Yeah, just a little bit more about uh, running a sustainable business. I don't think either of us do that. But I think we, we, you know, we both try and make a bit of a conscious effort to be slightly more sustainable because I think it, it kind of becomes part and parcel of being vegan, doesn't it? it? It's maybe not one of those things that you necessarily think about when you know making the switch, um, but it's definitely something that plays on your mind the, the longer you stay vegan. Would you agree? Yeah, I would agree. I think more and more now people are choosing to be vegan. The, for the environment just because everything's kind of coming out there isn't it about how bad the meat industry and the dairy industry um and fishing is for the environment but i think a lot of the time yeah i mean uh, the reason i went vegan originally was for the animals not for health not for the environment but the longer i've been vegan as you said the more i've thought about the environmental impacts of it but a lot of people that i have spoken to recently are vegan for the environment yeah look i mean it makes sense doesn't it because you've got to think that we're very much at an intersection with climate crisis and things of that ilk and again it's not for me to really talk about it because we're not the experts on it but there's all research out there to be done for those who are interested in it but you know you can you can tell and Actually, I think this last year has been really interesting because we had a really warm summer and we had a really cold winter. Um, We've had normal-ish weather. And for me, I'm a massive believer that COVID has actually played a huge part in the environmental changes we've seen recently. I think the lack of like planes and travel and I guess you know everything from from transport, from less, you know, we, we make it all about the UK from less you know, trains running up and down the country and less underground trains and less people um, kind of working in the city. I think we've already started to see the difference, which has been amazing. And, and my personal hope is that this kind of work from home culture continues to be a part of our day to day life, because I generally think, you know, people having that flexibility to work from home has an impact on the environment and has an impact on, uh, you know, the, the general well-being of the earth, you know. We've not been able to travel. We talked about that in our last episode, all about travel and where we want to go and where we've been. Um, But, you know, it's not good for the planet, is it? All these planes going everywhere all the time. And I think that's probably a pretty one-dimensional view. But as i got to remind you, we are not the experts on this. But look, the environment is is vitally important to um, veganism and it's all intrinsically linked in everything that we do. And you might not go vegan for the planet, but, you know, after a couple of months you're very much vested in, you know, recyclable packaging and 
you know, sustainable companies and, and wanting to support these things. So Yeah, I do think the pandemic has really opened people's eyes to all around the environment and our treatment of animals, because I mean, would we have COVID if we didn't consume animals? Probably not. So, but it's interesting also, my dad is now eating a lot more vegan food or vegetarian food. And he says it is for, you know, his children's future. And it is based around the environment, his decisions. So he's trying to get solar panels and he's trying to do his bit for the environment, for the future, for his children. And he talks to me around that and he's super interested in veganism. I mean, he's not veggie, he's not vegan, Um, but he's interested in cutting back on his animal products because of the environment. So actually, it's not just the younger generation. I think it is the older generation are starting to realise as well because it's it's just getting spoken about a lot more now, isn't it? We've got Greta going for it. What an absolute babe um, who's really kind of started this for everyone, I think. Yeah, and I think it's actually... I definitely see the irony in that, like, I don't mind calling them the boomer generation because they are the boomer generation, Um kind of finally realizing their mistakes of the past because like i'm not shouting at your dad specifically you know, my dad's, <laughs> poor mark my, no my, my dad's a boomer who was born in the 60s my mum too you know that generation of you know actually i guess a boomer was a little bit earlier than the 60s but still that generation that you know did all this stuff and were the first to you know really be able to have like commercial travel and you know go abroad and do all these things i don't want to say it's their fault but you know they definitely had something massive to do with the the state that the climate is in and um there was that whole like vibe in the in the 70s and the 80s of i don't really give a shit about the future because you know we the future is now type of thing Mm, whereas actually now they're realizing um that maybe they made some mistakes i think us as a generation are really aware of their mistakes and we are so passionate about keeping the planet you know green and 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 wet and dry in the right places you know it's something that (laughs) You know, obviously, I don't want to keep the the Sahara wet, and I don't want to keep the the Arctic dry. As I said, <laughs> in the right place. Yeah, we're, we're we're very we're very aware of it, and we 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 have that feeling of responsibility for for future generations because you know, who knows what it's going to look like. I actually watched something on YouTube today. It was something filmed in the like 1977 with a 107 year old woman. So she was 107 in 1977. So she was born in. 18, uh, 1870. Quick maths, um, well, Ben. I don't think that's the right answer. It might be. I'm terrible at numbers. That's not my forte. But it was interesting because one of the questions they asked her, and bear in mind this is the 70s, you know, they said, you know, from when you were a child to now, what's changed? And she said, everything's changed. Absolutely everything. Nothing mm. is the same. She literally was raised, you know, with horse and cart. Like, it was that long ago. Yeah. Um, and bear in mind, this is still, you know, the 70s, uh, you know, 50 years ago. So it was a long time this woman was interviewed. Um, but I read some of the comments, and the comments were the same from people like, oh, I was born in 1960, and, and it's the same. Nothing is the same as when I was a child. Everything has changed. And we're the generation that knows that. We're the generation of, of, of self-gratification and instant gratification, information age, everything is here and now, and there's no escaping from it. You'd be hard-pressed to find someone in their early, mid, late 20s who isn't clued up about the environment. Yeah, we live through change. We live through constant change. Everything is always changing, and we like change. We want change. We want to push it. We want things to. We want to make things happen. We want to improve things, and I think that is something I love about our generation is that we want to push these changes. Actually, it's funny, kind of talking about this, I, I, I didn't actually realise I was maybe 
this passionate about the environment and uh, you know my thought my thoughts and feelings towards it I guess are kind of coming out now but it's, it's so important you know I want to have kids and I want them to be raised where they can be outside and you know not catch you know viral diseases and uh, you know we want our kids to be able to swim at the beach and not have seas full of plastic rather than fish and I think that's when we come into the whole talk around veganism and one thing that is just awful is unsustainable fishing I mean I don't really think there's such thing as sustainable fishing if I'm honest because like unless we stop scientists have said we can we will just outfish our seas and pollution is just as bad like our seas are filled with plastic and rubbish and and they're killing our wildlife in our seas as well and the whole landscape of the ocean is going to change because the animals that are living in it are the reason why it all runs so smoothly and as soon as that stops god knows what's going to happen yeah for sure i mean sustainable fishing is i am man i want fish i go out to get fish and you fish for that fish. And get and if you one don't, fish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and if you don't come back with fish, you don't eat fish. That is sustainable fishing. But I don't expect, you know, Derek from London to go out fishing if he wants cod and chips on a Friday night. Do you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> shout, shout, out, shout out Derek, by the way. Um, I, don't, I don't know who he is, but you can shout him out. <laughs> um, yeah, there's no such thing as sustainable fishing. And, and actually, one of the things that always makes me laugh is, you know, companies like mcdonald's using like paper straws and like kind of recyclable lids but they're murdering billions of animals on like a daily basis it's like you know people will use a paper straw for the fish but they won't not eat fish so a plant-based diet actually requires one third of the land needed to support a meat-based diet one third okay yeah, that's nothing it's it's nothing and it's just such a I think it is a simple change. Obviously, it does take time. It takes it takes hard work to be vegan and there's all the kind of things around accessibility and things like that. But, you know, a vegan diet has been said to be the single best way, okay, to, like, help support the environment and impact the earth. And this is, like, you know, University of Oxford are saying this. It's not just me pulling out of the air. But <laughs> that that's what they've said. Yeah, and you've got to back the University of Oxford. Um, you've, you've got to. You've got to do it. Unless it's in a boat race against Cambridge. But look, I think... <laughs> Look, it's not it's not just about diet, is it, when you talk about sustainability. It's things like fast fashion and, uh, you know, that ability to, you know, buy things like secondhand. Like, I think there's a really interesting argument that I see quite a lot about, you know, vegans and, and wearing things that are leather and suede, but they're bought from, like, a vintage shop or they're bought secondhand. Um, I've got my personal opinion on that, but I'd, I'd be curious to hear yours. Do you think it's okay to buy a secondhand leather item or a secondhand suede item? Yeah, I would buy secondhand leather personally just because it's not contributing to the leather industry I mean I don't think I'd like go out of my way to do it and I do have um faux leather items like I have a really nice faux leather jacket I have faux leather handbags I have faux leather diary um but there is that debate as well around like faux leather's plastic and could that be more harmful to the environment but again like research has shown that it's not as harmful um but you know research says one thing research says another thing and it gets a little bit confusing um but yeah i mean i personally would buy secondhand animal products clothing wise i'm not sure now you've asked me that i'm saying it out loud i'm not sure how comfortable i would feel wearing a real leather jacket if i could get a faux leather one i would probably actually not but i wouldn't judge people who would do it i guess there's that argument that you know there's no point overthinking it you might as well just avoid it if you can but yeah I, i'm I, i'm literally of the opposite well i guess not the opposite opinion but i think if those products have already been made and you know they've had a use 
you may as well buy it again to give it a second lease of life because so at least it's then you know it's had a bit more purpose so i wouldn't wear a leather jacket because i don't think a leather jacket would suit me so much um but it doesn't mean to say i don't think you know people can buy secondhand leather you know i've got things like um vans which i've had for years you know vans always last they they rarely break um i've had vans that um you know i've had since i was before before i was vegan and i've still got them i'm not just going to throw them away because i'm vegan because for me that's unsustainable just to throw something away because maybe it has yeah no a bit of suede or a bit of leather yeah i've got leather i've got leather handbags and suitcases and things that i had before i was vegan um some things i sold because i didn't feel 100 percent comfortable with and that was like coats which have like fur on around the hood and stuff like that like so I got I've got rid of that but I still have leather handbags and things like that however now when I'm buying things like I used to have standard Doc Martens which I actually got in a charity shop but this was pre-vegan um however now you know I've bought vegan Doc Martens instead so there's that there's that little bit of give and take but I mean yeah the clothing industry is horrific for the environment um and it does of you can have that vegan link to it with the leather the wool wool is apparently twice as harmful as polyester so get some polyester instead but if it's secondhand then i think it's fine because you know you're just reusing that kind of the circle economy we love the circle economy it's the circle economy (laughs) yeah i mean look i think as you say we've got a guest on uh, in in a few short minutes to talk about sustainability and how to run a a company sustainably but you know i think it's really important to look up these places and you know give your support to companies that are trying to make a difference you know you look at coco banner which is the company of our our guest lewis and they use coconut shells for their products and that's um you know cutlery and and bowls and candles and all sorts of amazing things and all the packaging they use is is sustainable and recyclable and i think that's just the way um you know forward that things need to be you look at other companies that you know we had we had joe hill on from one planet pizza whenever they send you packaging it's all fully recyclable um everything's you know reusable um it, it's all there and it, and it's probably something that maybe cost them a few extra pence but goes so much further and means so much more to so many people yeah i think people are being so much more innovative aren't they with that sort of stuff which is great we're discovering more and more as the time goes on about how to be more sustainable and it's not like it's not a quick fix like and obviously there's some companies that do still have their faults but they're working on them and they're finding ways to you know replace their packaging maybe it's not 100% recyclable at the moment but it's 50% plus they're vegan like we can't have everything straight away it is a work in progress yeah I I completely agree and you know everyone can make a little bit of difference you know instead of being like right I really need um, a new like whatever I I need a new handbag uh, or I need a new pair of jeans look on Etsy look on you know eBay look on other places like that which sell second hand go to once they reopen you know a vintage store and just have a look and you might find something you know you might find an authentic pair of Levi's for 20 quid rather than a pair of jeans that have been made in some factory for ASOS. Do you know what I mean? There's so many options out there. You just got to be a, be a bit savvy, industrial, you know, be a bit more astute and uh, (laughs) you'll, you'll find those things and you'll be able to, uh, you know, be 
be a real reusable, recyclable hero. Yeah, just look around where you don't usually go. Like, I think my top tip, obviously, we're all used to just going to the supermarkets. Easy, it's quick. We know what brands we like, etc., etc. Whereas, start kind of looking at the smaller independent brands. For example, I've got a zero waste shop near me called Kilo, and they have loads of vegan products in there. Um, they also obviously have your standard products but it's zero waste so I just go and refill my jars and that's little steps that I take to decrease my impact on the environment Um, so I would say yeah little tip like that just go venture around your area I'm sure there's a zero waste store somewhere near you or if not I know you can order online there's a lot of as Ben said Etsy is great Um, you can buy food on there you can buy clothes on there you can buy home stuff on there Etsy has everything Depop for clothes but yeah look there's there's so many ways to you know i think in in this country we're doing a great thing with you know charging people for plastic bags and supermarkets i still think they can go one step further and and provide paper bags which are fully recyclable um or even i went to where did i go i was in a in a a cafe uh in notting hill a few weeks ago we went up there for a little mooch around and they literally gave me a, a biodegradable like plastic bag like one that you put food waste in um but it was a big one that's not hard to do. But here's a good tip for you. If you're in the supermarket and you've forgotten your, your bags, um, you can go and literally just ask them for some boxes. And they'll always have boxes that you can literally, you know, they get all of their stuff in cardboard boxes. You can ask for one and you can put your shopping in that rather than constantly buying a new shopping bag and things like that. So a, a top tip, tip for me is, uh, yeah, a top tip is to, you know, always look out for the boxes. That's so. Uh, that's just reminded me whenever I go to France to my mum, she always uses the wine boxes. Um, and puts her food in them. So Love it. she's she's See? one step ahead of the game, my mum. The French, they know what they're doing. <laughs> I mean, I know she's not French, she's but she knows what she's doing. She big knows up, what she's doing. We, we bigged up both our mums in the last episode, but it got callously cut out by producer Cow, I believe. He better keep it in this time. Yeah, I love you, mum. <laughs> I love you, mum. But yeah, also on Instagram, obviously Ben and I have offered our tips, we're, but we're centred more around food, not sustainability. There are countless pages which are centred around sustainability. So I don't know, just search the hashtag sustainable lifestyle sustainable living and there's pages dedicated to it there's blogs dedicated to it so if you do want to learn more than what ben and i can chat shit about um then have a look at those um there's a food page as well view my food um frankie she's lovely and she does eco tips on her stories as well i also learned from instagram about you know cutting your little cap from your milk carton so then like animals can't get stuck in it the same obviously I think most people know about cutting what you know the plastic rings for your beers because they all end up in the ocean and then poor birds get stuck with them I don't know it's just so sad can everyone just like do a little bit yeah let's all do our bit team On today's show we have Lewis Roblin he is the creator and the brains behind Cocabana a sustainable coconut-based brand. We want to hear all about it. Lewis, thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. Um, it's not very often you get invited onto a, to a podcast to talk about all things sustainability, and it's a very, very new thing for me. So thank you very much for having me anyway. The pleasure is all ours. So we're going to start with what we ask all of our guests. It's a great way to find out a little bit more about you and for the listeners at home. What would be your death row vegan meal? In short, without wasting people's time, it is simply the burrito. Just, just a burrito? Just a bean burrito packed full of 
flavour. Sweet corn. It's got to have sweet corn in it as well. But a black bean Ooh, burrito. Oh, Oh, God, yeah. So you're, you're not putting any tempeh, any like fake meats or anything like that in there? Hey, I'm a very simple guy. I, I, really, I really like stodge. So you've got, your, you've got your nice wheat wrap. You've got it full of rice. Rice is the key part of it as well. Maybe a bit of spice in there. And avocado, obviously. Everything as part of a burrito is simple. Um, filling. I mean, I could go on. I could give you six or seven <laughs> things, but um, we could just spend the whole podcast talking about burritos now. Uh, there's so many possibilities. <laughs> I think any opportunity to put avo in there without paying extra for it is even better. So it's death row. Just chuck in as many of the avocados. <laughs> All those times you thought I really want avocado, but I don't want to spend an extra like one pound fifty for it. This is your opportunity. Get all in there and then you're gone. It's great. Absolutely. Are you a starter and a dessert kind of guy or are you just going straight in for a main? You're happy to end that way. If I can afford it, I'll do all three. Well, you might as well. Go on. Give us give us a quick dessert. What are you going to finish off with? Remember, yeah, my... this is your death row meal. This is the last thing my you're de- ever going to eat. The burrito wasn't exciting enough, was it? It was exciting, but you know, maybe it would be a, des- a dessert burrito. Is that something we can do? A starter burrito, a dessert burrito? Do, do you know what? If you could create a dessert burrito, then I'd happily try it. You know what? Genuinely, challenge accepted. That's, for me, I'm thinking like rice pudding in there with like chocolate chips. It's going to be, that is stodge heaven, I'm telling you. Okay, I'm going to make that and I'm going to call it the Robling Burrito and it's going to be patented. Um, yeah, stay tuned to my Instagram because that one will be coming up. So, I mean, that sounds like a real... Um, not the, the, the dessert burrito, but your burrito, it sounds like a real um, sportsman meal. And you are obviously, for the people at home, they don't know, but you were a professional rugby player. Yes. So um, up until kind of this summer, really, um, where COVID really kicked in and, and sport was taken to a halt. I was a professional rugby player. I played since um, I was 19 or 18, uh, which is all of 10, 11 years ago. Um so, but yeah, so this is this, what I'm doing now is completely different to, uh, to playing professional sport. And I mean, burrito was definitely a part of, um, part of that culture, I suppose. So where did your journey, um, how did that start from going to rugby and sports to sustainability and, and coconut bottles? I'd love to hear. Well, <laughs> I mean, I'm Welsh. So growing up, all I ever wanted to do was, pl- was play rugby. Um, that was kind of all you thought about as a kid. And, and I was lucky enough to, to live that uh, dream, so to speak, until until very recently. Um, it, the, the change happened when Steph and I, I met Steph, um, my, my partner, maybe... When was it? Oh, she'll she'll get annoyed at me for not remembering the date. Um, <laughs> it was it was. Do you know what? It was a semi final of football world cup um, in twenty eighteen, and ever since then, or ever since us getting together, she she was already vegan. So it kind of opened my eyes to a to a new way of a new way of eating. Um, but even before that, I, what, have you guys seen the documentary um, Cowspiracy? Yeah, yeah, classic. Saw saw that back in twenty seventeen, and even when I was playing pro sport it kind of I went vegetarian for a month after seeing it just because it was the first time I'd really seen um the effects of agriculture um on the environment and what it was doing to rainforests and and it just kind of blew my mind so after that brief month (laughs) I then fast forward another year met Steph and and from then it was kind of just a slow transition she never really pushed it on me even though I'd take the mick out of her that she did um but it, it then all changed when we went on our trip to Bali uh, last summer and classic story you go to Bali professional rugby, rugby player come back fully vegan a completely <laughs> different person um, and it was out there that had the idea about uh, Coca Banner. but when we were out there um, 
we just completely fell in love with coconuts. It was the first time I ever had a coconut before. Uh, you know, it's, it's the, the classic symbol of paradise, isn't it? You, you get to yeah. somewhere like Bali, you get to somewhere like the tropics, and the, the first, first thing you do is order a coconut from the menu, drink it straight out of, a, straight, straight out of the coconut with, a, unfortunately, a, a plastic straw more often than not. Um, but you just, it's that feeling of paradise. Um, and fast forward throughout the trip, we tallied up maybe about 40 or coconuts in two weeks. It was an absolute joke. Um, and it, it, it became exactly that. It became a joke um, until we were sat in a small little cafe. Um, have you guys been to Bali, by the way? Yeah, I was about to say so. I travelled Indonesia last summer as well. Um, I travelled it for, I think it was about six, seven, eight weeks around that. We kind of kept extending it. We started at the capital in Jakarta and worked all the way along, ended in Bali. Um, but yeah, I absolutely, the vegan food out there is amazing. Um, but yeah, I did drink a lot of coconuts there as well. Yeah, well, it's, it's just part of the lifestyle. I mean, I'm not sure what you thought about Bali, but we, we fell in love with the people, the culture, the place. It was just paradise everywhere you looked. And again, like you said, with the vegan food, the more we ate it, it was the first time I told Steph, I was like, look, okay, I'm going to try it. I'm going to do it for a month. Where, what better place to do it? And the more, the more I kind of ate this fresh food, and maybe it was part and parcel of being in Bali and everything was organic, everything was fresh, everything was grown locally. But I, I felt amazing, felt better than I ever had them before. I mean, it, it continued with this coconut obsession until we got to a cafe in uh, Gilead. Um, and did you, I'm not sure if you went over to the Gilead Islands, but we stayed there for four nights. Um... And I remember being sat in this small little cafe and it's called uh, Fire and Flowers, um, like kind of yoga barn um, style place. And we were just having um, breakfast, really. And I had a smoothie bowl, obviously served in a, in a coconut. Um, and the flavours, like, it was it was gorgeous. It was like cacao, coconut and banana. And that's exactly where the name came from. It's coconut, cacao, banana. It's an acronym for that. So I love uh, that. Yeah. So in, in that moment, the name came to me. I remember looking at Steph and just repeating Coca Banner over and over again. She almost slapped me, I think. But, um, <laughs> but I, in my mind, I was like, well, this is just paradise. I, I mean, at the time, I was coming towards the end of my rugby career anyway and was thinking of a way out. Um, and I thought, what, well, what am I passionate about? Um, at that time, I couldn't really wrap my brain around it. But the most important thing that came out of it was how how can I recreate this feeling um, and bring it back to the UK? And no 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 experience whatsoever. But it, for us, it started with coconuts, and from the coconut, I suppose, was the the journey was born. The sustainability journey was born, and it all stemmed from from Bali. Yeah, it's just a crazy journey, actually. <laughs> I, I wanted to touch on just really quickly because it's something that we're not going to have like a, a professional athlete on every single week I know rugby is probably more ahead of you know football in terms of people being able to I guess be themselves a bit more there's more people who are very open in the sport but I know there's that kind of machoism and that that feeling that being vegan as a male and as an athlete isn't what you should be doing how did you even though it was towards the end of your career how did you find that kind of crossover and the reaction to people kind of finding out that you were um, transitioning to veganism? Oh, I was laughed at. I was laughed at. I was taking the mick out of the whole time, the, the whole year, really. But the the thing was that you, you, you've you just got to take it on the chin. I mean, I I I was noticing the difference straight away. Like I got back from, from being away and continued doing what I was doing. And the, 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 the driver for me to continue doing it was the way I felt. Um, I mean, without getting too deep into it, 
um, training wise, it was pre. I remember coming back and it was pre season, and pre season's the toughest part of the the year, really. You're in preparation for the season coming up. You're doing most of your fitness. You're doing most of your weight stuff, and I found that I was recovering quicker than I ever had done before. Um, and I and I don't know why. And don't get me wrong, like the, going vegan straight away as well. Um, the, uh, you you guys probably know the the first month is always a little bit hard to adjust to, especially if you go from zero to hero with it um because your body has to adjust to this like massive amount of fiber that it probably wasn't used to the amount of grains you're going to be eating the amount of pulses lentils chickpeas beans all these different um different new foods that your body's not used to digesting so the first month was quite tough but once you got through that period i felt like i'd never felt better um fitness wise i was able to do kind of sprints after a session more so than other players that i thought were fitter than me and i just that's what the main driver was, which kind of fascinated me. And even now today, I, I listen to documentaries about vegan nutrition all the time, um, just because it, it's fascinating. And we've seen recently, with, again, I don't want to go too deep into the subject, but we've seen recently with um, Game Changers that there are athletes out there performing at the top of their game um, who are the best in the world. And moving back to the whole sustainability topic, since having a sustainable brand and since being vegan, have you found that your lifestyle's changed in terms of living sustainably as well? Uh, definitely. Um, it's, it's, it goes hand in hand. I mean, I, I'll be the first person to, to put my hand up and say I'm not perfect. And I, I, I don't think being perfect is necessarily um, possible now a day and age. But what we can do or what, what, what I try and practice all the time is just to, to keep improving, to keep better, getting better, to keep learning. There are always, um, as, as a, firstly, I'll speak as a, as a brand owner. I know that my products are completely sustainable. Like the coconut in itself is a natural product. It's grown naturally without pesticides. Um, if it can be made, well, every part of the coconut is used, which is why I talk about the coconut being a symbol of kind of life, but a symbol of sustainability. It's like the ultimate symbol uh, because every part of it's used. Uh, you can use it as a vessel for food. You can use it as candles, which candles are burning right next to me. Um, but then when you're done with it, you can use it as a plant pot or you can just simply place it back into the earth. And within a few months, it's, it becomes food for the earth, you know. Um, so in terms of the products that like my mindset around my products, I use the coconut as like the truest example. So I'm, on a, I'm at a point now with this business where for it to grow, it needs to expand. Um, and... I've recently brought out a vegan protein porridge, which, and the packaging is recyclable. Now, in my mind, at that time, that was the best option I could afford. Now, moving forward, if I was to expand on it, I know that I'd do things differently. I'd look for the most environmentally friendly packaging. Um, it, my packaging anyway is all um, made of cardboard, it's all paper-based, it's all biodegradable. Like it, even the, it, down to the peanuts, the peanuts dissolve, they're made of starch and they dissolve in water. And I think this is the way we need to think about it moving forward, especially as brands, is, is whatever we do, whatever decision we make, we need to be consciously thinking about the impact on the environment. If that, because if that's not the case, then, I mean, we've, we, you've seen the David Attenborough documentary, documentaries recently. There's not going to be a world for us in 80 years' time. And I think our, our role, even you guys as, as influencers and, and people that have followers and people see what you do, they follow you, we we have, I I feel like nowadays we have a responsibility to be forward thinking in that sense. Um, we I'd like to think that as a brand or as 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 someone with a following, you can inspire others to be better. Um, and I think 
where if you're privileged enough to be in that position, then as long as you're doing good by you and by the planet, then you're not going to go far wrong, really. Yeah, 100%. And just being super honest about what you're doing as well. Like, as you said earlier, no one's perfect. And actually to try and be perfect is so unattainable. And I think a lot of the time it leads people away from doing what you're trying to get them to do because it's just too much pressure. So I think it's definitely accepting that there there are um, pulls and pushes and gives and takes that you have to accept. You can't be 100% sustainable all the time. You can't, it just, it's just, it just doesn't work like that. So... Completely agree with all of that. And um, I think what's what's great is, and it's something that, again, we picked up on a little bit earlier, is you kind of maybe don't think about how you are being sustainable. So, you know, you, you don't claim to be a sustainability expert and we're not pinning you down as such, but you've got a brand which is sustainable, which is amazing, as you say, from sort of pretty much top to bottom. Since you've started that, have you found in life there's been more things that you've been trying to be sustainable with, you know, reusing stuff, you know, buying secondhand things, just in general, really? Um, I'd say I'm so much more conscious about where I buy my products from now. Um, that's another another massive learning curve is, is to understand where things come from. The one thing we have control over is our our buying power. We have, we have three, it's three times a day where we get to choose what we eat or more. Um, and we have control in that sense and, and where we spend our money. Um, and that's important. Maybe you, you, people might not think, okay, what what use is me buying something vegan that gonna have on the overall? I don't know on the meat industry, for instance. But just you making the decision to change maybe one meal a week. You imagine if a million other people did that, then that that's that's real change. And and it's one of our, it's one of the values as a brand actually is that our sort of three main values is are based around health and well being. Um, sustainability and then community and that kind of the, the positive change that we try and kind of inspire people to work towards doesn't happen without having that element of togetherness Le- learning is is the biggest thing you can do in my opinion L- learn how you can do things better um, but again like I said before it's it's about being inspired to learn as well are there any other sustainable brands that you've kind of took inspiration from or you really love well, for instance, this this one is is clothing. Like this this hoodie I'm wearing is a brand called Tala, and this this hoodie itself is made from ten plastic bottles. How how that's the type of kind of innovation that I I would look for, um, and that's in, that's inspiring me, especially moving forward. Just plant based companies like Tiba Tempe. Uh, they I love those guys because their story is very similar to mine. They, and and they went to Bali, and that's where their their story came from. I think one thing we definitely want to know from you is your top tip for other people to try and be a little bit more sustainable. Me and Izzy gave ours a little earlier in the show. Um, it's putting you on the spot a wee bit, completely understand, but it would be great to hear from you what you think. So we, we encompass health and wellbeing, sustainability and community. That is, that is our, that they are our core values. And the, how are you going to best do that? What, what is a kind of, pardon the pun, but what is a sustainable, manageable, manageable way of being better and I think I completely agree with your point in the sense that it's about small changes in habit there's no point going from like using the vegan example there's no point going from zero to hero because it won't be sustainable it'll be such a big change that'll be so hard to manage and to keep going it's such a massive change in habit whereas if you can implement small changes in habit like um you taking a 
reusable cup reset out with you instead of using single-use plastic bowls and stuff like that. If if you can create those small changes and create demand for products where they were none or where it replaces the single-use version of that product, maybe mine should be, right, just buy a reusable water bottle. If you've got a reusable water bottle, great, use it. If you haven't, buy one. Because then over the time that that bottle's in use, you might stop, I don't know, thousands of plastic bottles from being sent into the ocean. So... I think I agree with your point. I can't. I, I wish I could expand on it a little bit more, but that is really, when it comes down to it, how are we going to create real positive change on a huge scale? You imagine a million or 60 million people, which there are in the UK, maybe a bit more, all swapping and using a single-use plastic bottle. So so our um, followers and listeners know how to find you. Do you want to just give a little brief overview of your page and all of that sort of jazz? Brand is called Cocobana. We sell coconut bowls, reclaimed wooden cutlery, bamboo straws, coconut candles with 100% soy wax. Uh, and we now do a, a vegan protein porridge as well that's available on the website, which is www.cocobana.co.uk. If you want to know how to spell it, it's C-O-C-A-B-A-N-A. And like Ben would tell you, it's not Copacabana. Um, but yeah, look, come, come and say hello. It, it, I'm hoping the future is going to be very bright. We've got lots of exciting plans in the background. Um, hoping to innovate and inspire and just kind of... Be, I mean, one of our main things... But without, I'm going to waffle on again here. But <laughs> one of our main go-tos is, look, can you be the best... How do you be the best version of yourself, not only for yourself, but for the planet? And that's hopefully what we'll try and inspire you to do. And you've got an e-book as well. You forgot the e-book. Oh, God, yeah, I've got an e-book, with, which is actually a really cool story. So the, the e-book is called Made in Bali. And uh, on our travels to Bali, we, we were lucky enough to stay in a hotel called the Semenyak Beach Hotel. And while we were there, we met a chef or a sous chef. Um, There's a man called Made Sukarata. Um, and he took us out and we went shopping and took us to the local Warung and, and we, we bought our shopping together. And it was an amazing experience. Saw fruit that, well, avocados aside, I've never seen before in my life and saw these exotic fruits. And he was able to explain amazing English and such a lovely, lovely bloke. But um, we got back to the hotel and he, he took us through a cooking class. And that one of those recipes, well, he actually, well, one of those recipes that we cooked together is in the ebook, but he actually, um, we wrote them together. Um, we've been in touch ever since. Um, and I plan on going back hopefully next year to go and see him. Um, but he, he was he was a massive part of this book. So this this book is a recreation of the recipes that Steph and I had. And it's like an, a recreation of our experience in Bali. So if you wanted to really to kind of take a deep, take a deep dive into the story, that book is fantastic. Thank you for listening this week. Sustainability is such an ever-evolving topic that we're all learning more and more about. It was great having Lewis on to talk about Cocabana, a business started with amazing intentions and seeing it continuously grow shows how conscious we're all becoming. Ben and I have absolutely loved recording series one. We've chatted to so many amazing people, haven't we? It's been great. I just, I'm, I'm overwhelmed with the support and, you know, the the amazing guests we've got on, you know, from, from start to finish. Every single one have, has taught me so much and uh, yeah really opened my eyes to a different side of veganism as well 100% and we are just going to take a couple weeks break and then we will be back with series 2 lots of exciting things in the pipeline so we shall see you guys in a couple weeks for sure and if there's anything you want us to talk about hit us up on the Instagram either at Izzy the Vegan at Ben's Vegan Kitchen or of course at 2Vs and a pod and get your suggestions in and we'll 100% chat about them guaranteed every time
not every time, but most of the time. <laughs> this show was produced and edited by Callum Goddard Moklo for Apricot Audio. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, available on all podcast platforms such as Apple, Spotify, and Acast. See you later.